Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got Camelin Kaur. She is a therapist. And today we're going to be talking about is your relationship caring or controlling? I mean, some people don't actually realise what sort of relationship they're in until we have these discussions. So welcome, Camelin. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for having me here today. You're very welcome. And Camelin, before we get stuck into the key question around is your relationship caring or controlling, could you please um, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what's led you to be doing what you're doing now? Yeah, of course. So I am a trained psychotherapist and I'm also a mindset coach and I specialize in helping heart-led women to overcome anxiety, overthinking and self-limiting beliefs by changing their mindset. And over the years, I started off working with women in business, female entrepreneurs, helping them with stress and anxiety. And then about three or four years ago, I got this influx of clients that were all having anxiety as a result of personal or romantic relationships in their lives. So this was a pattern that appeared. And what I started noticing was when I was working with these women, that if they were in toxic or controlling or unhealthy relationships, there were certain red flags that they could look out for within themselves, but also within the relationship that will help them to identify whether the relationship was caring or whether it was controlling. And then that led me in 2019 to put all of that insight into a book so that if there was any confusion about whether that relationship was healthy or not, people could see these red flags, read about them, ask themselves a series of questions and then be able to make an informed decision about what they wanted to do in the relationship at that point in time. Excellent. Love that. So, Camelin, what what sort of things did you identify as being red flags? Because like we were saying, we're having a little bit of discussion off air. You know, sometimes we aren't actually aware that we're actually in an unhealthy relationship, are we, until we start to have these sorts of conversations? Yeah, no, that's very, very true. So this is where I took a different angle to it. So what I noticed was, so we live in a society where everybody is so different and everybody has different ways of attaching and connecting with their other half. So what may seem as being caring for one person may not necessarily be caring for the other person, right? So let me give you an example of that. So somebody, so say a partner's calling you 20 times when you're out, right? That for one person might be a really caring gesture because they might feel loved, they might feel secure, they might feel supported by that. And maybe they need that reassurance and they need that constant validation and checking in from their partner. However, that same behavior for somebody else may feel really overwhelming, really suffocating, really toxic and really almost harassing as well. So that was one way. Another thing is, say, for example, somebody telling you what to wear, how to wear it. Like I know in my own circle, some women love that because they go, oh, my partner's so into clothing and really like informative and really helpful. Whereas for somebody else, they might think, 
well, I don't really feel comfortable wearing that and, they, and I don't want to wear that, but they don't feel heard and they don't feel listened, right? So what I started noticing was if you ask people questions like, do you think your partner's behavior is caring or controlling? They find that difficult because a lot of their opinions or a lot of their views will be based on what other people around them might be thinking, right? So they may have flagged this up with their, their inner circle beforehand. And then somebody said, oh, but that's really nice that he calls you all the time. Or I think that's really, really caring that he checks in with you. So do you see where that person thinks then, am I just being oversensitive? Am mm. I overreacting to this situation? Am I being ungrateful to the fact that my partner's checking in on me? So it shuts the person down. So my focus instead is forget about what everybody around you is saying. Forget about what you see. Forget about what other people's relationships are like. How does that behavior that your partner is carrying out make you feel so if their behavior makes you feel happy it makes you feel secure it makes you feel loved it makes you feel respected it makes you feel valued then you probably are in a healthy relationship however if it makes you feel unsettled if it makes you feel anxious if it makes you feel angry if it makes you feel annoyed if it makes you feel frustrated if it makes you feel a bit apprehensive on edge tense or stressed then naturally that leads us to the fact that it's maybe not as healthy as you would like it to be the relationship and it could be bordering on being controlling or toxic as well so do you think that can actually change in a relationship such as you know in the honeymoon period for example you know there could be you know your partner regularly checking in and you really love it you know and, and that becomes a pattern but then over time that could become something you know that, that's an annoyance <laughs> yes because we all change but also the other thing is it's about remembering that it's communicating isn't it we all change naturally we're all going to change so who we are right now is not who we're going to be next year and initially it is really nice when somebody checks in on you but yes you're right it could be an issue but this is where if the relationship is healthy and if you say to your partner look, do you know what? I think it's really nice that you call me 20 times an hour and you check in. <laughs> However, it just sometimes feels a bit overwhelming or it means that I actually am not doing anything else in that hour other than answer your phone call and then wait for the next call. So it's just about if you're communicating to your partner that it makes you feel uncomfortable or please, can you change that? Or I just don't be, or I'm not able to accommodate that call or I'm not able to be available or that's not working for me. Then if you're in a healthy relationship, your partner will value what you're saying and they'll hear what you're saying and they'll understand how they're making you feel. And then on the back of that, be able to change their behavior to suit what you want them to do or to at least reach a compromise. But if they're set in their way and they're like, no, but I'm going to call you and I want you to answer that phone. I think that in itself is very telling, isn't it? Because that's not really very caring at all. Now that's when you know that that's controlling. Yeah, absolutely. I was playing devil's advocate a bit there when I was like, Yeah, but it is true. No, it's good because this is the kind of things that people are going to say, but what if I change or what if it's me that's changed? And that's fine. We have to accept that we're all going to change, but we also have to accept that we need to be heard and we need to be listened to and we need to be acknowledged and our views and our values need to be appreciated in a relationship as well. Absolutely. And I think the key thing is, that you mentioned is it, how does your partner make you feel you know regardless of what's happening in other people's relationships regardless of whether they think it's too much or too little in terms of what you're you know experiencing 
in terms of behaviors from your own partner it's it's how you feel about it yourself and if you're really happy and comfortable and, and like the fact that he's checking in, I mean I think for most people 20 times an hour would be a bit excessive but you know <laughs> a couple of times a day um for some people might feel excessive you know whereas a couple of times a day for I think the vast majority of people would be great you know they'd love that yeah Definitely. So it's about coming down to how you feel. And the thing is, even if like, say, for example, you felt secure and you felt safe in that relationship, but then other people were telling you that the relationship's controlling, it doesn't matter because you're still not going to change, are you? So you need to acknowledge in yourself first that something is not right or something is not working or something is not falling into place. So because sometimes people say to me, but what if the other person's feeling secure and they're quite happy in their relationship, but from the outside in, other people are looking at that relationship and realizing that it's actually quite controlling, which can also happen as well, right? But then you're bringing it up with that other person and you're saying to them do you think your relationship's caring or controlling or do you think it's toxic and they're saying no I actually really like this behavior then the thing is even if you bring it to their attention they're not ready to receive that information so until they notice a change in their feelings themselves and they notice that that does not bring them happiness or joy anymore there's nothing that you or anybody around them can do to take them out of that toxic situation no, and, and I think you can tell the, the people in your circle who are happy in their relationships are or are unhappy because generally, you know, female sex, we, we chat, don't we? We do have conversations yeah. <laughs> and that's the way we heal ourselves a lot. And I think that's, you know, um, you know, uh, hard for men to understand and probably maybe they envy that a bit, you know, that we do seek help externally, collaborate with each other and, and share things that men wouldn't even dream of doing because men are more likely because they're men. And they're different from us to to um, deal with their personal problems and challenges by withdrawing, you know, going into their caves and processing that way their own issues and problems rather than sharing with their friends like women do. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why the only thing that's really important here is to focus on your own feelings, because everybody has different ways of dealing with it. But one of the things that you can't really escape from is your own feelings so that you can deny, you can avoid, you can distract yourself for a while. But ultimately, whatever is there underneath the surface, it will start to manifest, right? So noticing your feelings are the most important thing. Acknowledge them, understand where they're coming from. Why is that uncomfortable feeling there? What is your partner doing or saying to make you feel like that? Have they changed their behavior? Or have they changed their language? If you've asked them to change it because you've told them it makes you feel uncomfortable. These are really important. So if your feelings are not aligned in that relationship, right, then that is a big, huge red flag as well. Now, the other thing is sometimes people do go into a state of denial or they go into a state of numbness or autopilot in a relationship because they don't want to acknowledge what's going on because as soon as I acknowledge it I'm going to have to do something about it and if I have to do something about it then it's going to make it real isn't it so it's easier to stay in that uncomfortable space rather than push yourself out of that comfort zone so what happens is the other things that you can look out for is physiological changes that will take place when you're in a toxic relationship, right? So some of these things are people will experience increased heart rate, they might experience irregular heartbeat, they might notice that they get a tightness or a pain in their chest, they might start noticing there's a lot of tension in their shoulders, in their back, a lot of headaches, 
difficulty concentrating on things or focusing. Memory recall gets affected as well when you're in an unhealthy situation. You might start to notice that you experience a lot of tummy problems, such as um, IBS. You might feel that you've got a lot of bloatedness in your tummy. Your appetite might change. You might start developing gastrointestinal issues as, as time goes on. In your body in general, you'll start to feel really tired, really low, really run down, or you'll experience the complete opposite, a lot of nervous energy, a lot of fidgety energy, can't sit still. Even if you're sitting still, you feel like you have to get up and you have to keep moving, you have to keep doing things. So there's going to be, that's your fight and flight kicking in right there. So if we're in an unhealthy situation, our feelings is the first way to acknowledge it. But if you ignore your feelings, then your body starts to tell you that something is not right. Your body starts to tell you that it's in an unhealthy situation and something doesn't feel right. And these are some of the symptoms to look out for um, physically inside your body as well. So if you're experiencing these directly as a result of your partner or directly as a result of the relationship that you're in, then that is a big red flag just right there that that relationship's not good for you. Yeah, and I think another symptom that I I personally suffered from in a, in a, in my previous history was um, the opposite to what you just mentioned about stomach problem was constipation because I knew I was holding on to stuff literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and, is it so and, interesting the way our body responds to stress, isn't it? Yeah, so and I know that's just, you know my stress response is to hold on to stuff and and that manifests in constipation. So. Um, yeah, I, I know that, you know, that's happening. I'm holding on to something that needs to be released. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And these are, and our body is there. It tells us that something's not right, but we just choose not to acknowledge it. Not Sometimes it's not deliberate. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not deliberate. The busyness of life just takes over. But if there's something that's imbalanced in your body, whether it's your health, your feelings, or your actual physical symptoms, then that is alerting you to the fact that there's something that's not right. And if that thing that's not right is directly your partner or your relationship, then it, you, that needs to get resolved. Otherwise, it's not going to get any better. It's just going to make you feel worse. Yeah. And I like to refer to it as noticing the dis-ease within yourself. In other words, the disease that you're creating. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's true. Because you're actually, by not acknowledging it, you're making yourself uncomfortable. And this is where the dis-ease is coming from, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think it's yeah. it's great how that word sort of you can break it up into that this ease is your body's way of letting you know that something's not right. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time when I'm working with clients, what I'll notice is Lynn, the presenting problem is not the relationship. The presenting problem is something completely different. So they'll turn up at the session and they'll say so let me give you this one example so I remember I was working with this one lady and she came to the sessions and she was saying that she's got depression and I, and so I was like right okay so tell me more about this so you've got depression what makes you think you've got depression and then she listed off a couple of behaviors and I said to her so do you think you've got depression and she said to me no, but my husband thinks I've got depression. So obviously as a therapist straight away, like a real hard in my head. And I'm thinking, oh, does he know? That's what I was thinking. So I was like, oh, really? That's interesting. I went, what makes him think that you've got depression? And then that literally just led to a completely different conversation, didn't it? So that is what then helped us to identify that 
she actually doesn't have depression. She's literally just withdrawn and shut down and stopped communicating because she feels so unhappy and so unwell in that relationship from the constant criticism, judgment, harassment, constant pestering that she was getting from her partner. No matter what she done, it was never good enough. No matter what she said, he managed to twist it around and manipulate it and make it about himself or make it into an issue, right? No matter what was going on, it could have been done better, right? So when we started going into specific examples, we it became really evident that the issue was not her. The issue was actually her partner, because of his toxic and narcissistic behaviors that he was carrying out, gaslighting, manipulating, emotional abuse, belittling her. And then no wonder she's going to have depression. Like how else do you expect her to be? So the presenting problem was depression. Now, if as a therapist, I had just worked on her depression and just gave her a couple of tools and techniques and coping strategies to deal with that, probably would never have got to the bottom of what was actually contributing towards that, you know? So this is where as an individual, you might think the problem is something else. So the question to always ask yourself is, but when does this feeling heighten? Who or what makes me feel like that? Because that might actually help you to identify the source of that feeling in the first place. Brilliant. Love it. Uh, what would you say in terms of, you know, um, is there always, a, a, you know, a solution to um, a, a toxic relationship, for example? In other words, is there, do you think, always the possibility that can relate relationships, no matter how bad they are, can be turned around or do you think there is definitely a point in relationships where we need to walk away and so in other words you know there might be some slight unhealthy traits within that relationship and I I know that we all both parties always contribute to that even if they're just allowing unacceptable behaviors we're contributing towards you know the situation being what it is but I'm just thinking do you always think there's a, a chance that even if a relationship's really toxic, if the man is willing to, or the woman is willing to work on their toxic behaviours, that it can be turned around? Or do you think, it, you know, that there's always a point where, you know what, that the something's at the point where it's un totally unacceptable and you need to walk away? Right, okay, that's a good, really good question. So for me, this is not even as a therapist now, this is just as a woman I'm talking now. As soon as you are physically hurt or you're sexually hurt, you need to get out of that. There's no coming back from that. If that happens once, that will happen again and again and again and again. And there's nothing that's going to justify it because once somebody hits you, that's them testing the boundary to see how much they can get away with. So if they hit you and you allow that to happen, they will definitely hit you again because now they know that that is a boundary they can push, right? And that, that you'll still stay or you won't say anything or you'll cover their back. But also what's going to happen is the longer you stay, the harder it's going to be for you to get out of that environment as well, right? So if it's any kind of physical abuse, physical harming, I don't think you can ever come back from that because even if the other person says that their behavior has changed and they'll go and seek therapy and they'll go and do this and everything else, you are always going to be on the back foot. You're always going to be tense. You're always going to be on edge. You're always going to be conscious of the fact that is it going to happen again? Should I maybe not say this? Should I maybe not push this? Should I have this conversation right now? Because that trust is broken and that trust, once it's broken, is really hard to get. So that, I would say, is the cutoff when it comes to physical abuse. 
When it comes to emotional abuse, that can get a little bit more complicated because the other person could be carrying out that behavior without realizing that they're doing that because it could just be a conflict of personality and just different dispositions in your character, right? Which is why communication is really important. So it's really important to say, I will try to find an example that doesn't just involve somebody calling you 20 times a day because I feel like I've exhausted that example. <laughs> so say, for example, your partner is carrying out a behavior that annoys you or makes you feel stressed or it makes you feel anxious. Let them know. So but it, before you let them know, you have to acknowledge that, which is why it's really important for you to be aware of how it makes you feel. Right. So you have to acknowledge how it makes you feel. Let your partner know. And this is the structure you have to use when having this conversation. When you do and then you talk about the behavior, it makes me feel like, and then you talk about how it makes you feel. And then the next thing you need to say to them is, I would like it if you did X, Y, and Z instead, right? So you've now, it's not going into this blame game and you make me feel like this and you do this. It's a solvable resolution. It's an end point. There's a goal there that you've managed to discuss, right? So this is how you make me feel when you do this. And going forward, I would really appreciate it. I'd be really grateful if you could do this instead, right? If the partner respects and values your opinion and genuinely cares about how you feel, Obviously, they'll be like, oh, my God, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize I was I was doing that or I was just like checking in or I was just making sure you were OK. And they should then be able to take that on board and go away and change their behavior. But if you despite you saying that this is how it's making you feel and it's making you feel uncomfortable, they're carrying on doing the same thing again and again and again then what is the point in staying in that situation? I think you have to accept that there's going to be one of two things. Either you're going to have to have keep on stay in that relationship and keep on having the same conversations again and again and again and keep having your boundaries breached, or you have to accept that this situation is not going to get any better and you need to make a decision about whether you want to put up with it or not and walk away. And yeah. I think this is why that communication is important. I think a recent example that I can think of that my, that uh, was one of my clients' issues was that uh, a partner uh, would regularly, you know, probably once or twice, uh, three times a, a month or so, um, turn up late when she'd already cooked a nice meal. You know, he'd be late home from work without ringing her to let her know and she'd have a nice meal prepared and obviously it was going going cold or she was having to try and keep it warm for him. And that was a, an annoying thing. So it could be something as simple as that, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And that's and that's what I mean. But if you're communicating that to your partner and saying, look, that really annoys me. Right. Can you please not do that? There should be. Obviously, it's not always about the other person changing their behavior. It's about compromising, isn't it? And getting to a halfway meeting point that actually is solvable for both of you. But if it's causing you distress, if it's causing you uncomfortable feelings, if it's making you feel physically unwell and you're noticing symptoms that I've identified earlier on in this episode and you're noticing those symptoms manifesting all the time within that relationship, then that relationship is not healthy for you. It's most likely not going to get better because if talking about it, highlighting the issue, discussing it is not made it any better, then the chances are it's not going to get any better. So it gets to a point where you have to now come out of that avoidance and denial stage and accept that that relationship's going to have to change and if it can't change it's going to have to get to a point where you have to walk away from it yeah I think in this instance she just allowed the resentment to build up because rather than resolving it in the way you described she was then becoming accused to say you're, you're always late home you know the, the, the dinner always gets spoiled rather and you know pointing the finger of blame at him rather than 
you know, the way you described was to, you know, solve it by saying, you know, this is the way it makes me feel. And, you know, yeah. I'd love you to change that. So that Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really important to communicate because that's your benchmark for testing whether your partner actually values and respects you. If they do, then they will take on board what you're saying. Yeah, but obviously, like you say, you've got to be mindful in what you what way you're communicating that 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 uh, um, either resentment or disappointment or challenge so that it can be heard in an effective way because if you're just you know pointing the finger and, and making it all about them they're just going to shut down and, and not even hear you aren't they yeah no they're not and I think the other important question is this might be going a little bit off topic to what you've just said there but I think it's about just being aware of why you're in that relationship as well. So a lot of people will stay in unhealthy, toxic relationships, not because they're okay or happy in that situation, but because there's a fear of being alone. There's a fear of being rejected by other people. There's a lack of security within themselves, emotional security. There's a lack of confidence, you know, or they've been broken down so much in that relationship. They don't believe that they'll be able to sustain a lifestyle outside of that relationship, you know. So you really need to be honest and true to yourself. Nobody can make you feel a certain way if your headspace and your mindset is right. Because it doesn't matter what the other person's saying to you. If you're clear in your head about what you deserve, what you want, and what you're looking for, then it's really hard for people to manipulate you. And it's really hard for them to get under your skin then as well. And even if they do, it allows you to then go back to your baseline, which is, but this is not my core values when it comes to a relationship, or this is not how I expect to be treated, or this is how I'm feeling now. So this is why your feelings are a really good way to judge what that how healthy a relationship is because your feelings are not really ever going to lie they're there for a reason and they'll keep on coming up because they're alerting you to the fact that something is off balance so it's important to be true to yourself and think right if I didn't have to worry about being judged if I didn't have to worry about failing if I didn't have to worry about being unsuccessful in this relationship if I didn't have to worry about what other people around me are saying or if I didn't have to worry about being alone would I be in this relationship and if the answer is no, then that, again, is a red flag that there's something in that relationship that's not working. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it, like you say, it's no, there's no point in denying your feelings because sometimes I think, like you say, because we get into our, our heads so much and start looking through the lens of fear and uh, allow our ego to run riot that we we stop ourselves from leaving a relationship which isn't healthy and um, tend to suppress and ignore what our body and our feelings are actually telling us because they're always communicating to us aren't aren't they that the feelings and our, our body is always communicating what is the reality of our situation yeah definitely and the other thing that will happen is if you're in an unhealthy toxic or controlling situation your body will go into fight and flight mode without you even realizing so you will have increased levels of anxiety in that situation and it might not be apparent because our bodies climatized to certain levels of stress and anxiety so that anxiety at the start would have felt quite heightened but then your body will just get used to it and it will just you learn to live with that anxiety but then what happens is what you'll notice is you'll have a notice um, you'll notice a change in the way that you think 
as time goes on. So what you might find is that you're overthinking every situation, you're overanalyzing every situation, you feel really overwhelmed when you're thinking about things, your thoughts can be really irrational, or they can be really erratic at times as well, where they're just like quite intrusive, quite impulsive. So this is where the mind gets really, really busy because you're in that fight and flight mode. Now, if your mind is really, really busy, it allows the other person to manipulate situations and it allows them to gaslight you and it allows them to minimize how you're feeling because you will then be at a point where you think, maybe that's true. Maybe I overlooked it. Maybe that I didn't hear that right. Or maybe I looked too much into that because your mind is already in overdrive in that moment. So it's really important to calm your thoughts down by focusing on facts and evidence in that situation. So don't get too caught up in what your partner is saying. So say, for example, you've had that conversation we were talking about earlier on about, I want you to change X, Y, and Z because this is how it makes me feel. Your partner might be like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I'll definitely do that. And I'm so sorry I made you feel like this and blah, 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 blah. Like, listen to the words, but don't hold on to them. What you need to be focusing on is the facts and the evidence in front of you. And the facts and the evidence is going to be in their behavior. So if they're, oh my God, I'm really sorry, but then carrying on doing the exact same behavior, then obviously their actions are speaking louder than words at this point. So always focus on the facts and the evidence. If your partner says something, don't get caught up into the defending yourself or protecting yourself or looking after yourself or justifying yourself. Just think about it. Where are the facts to prove that this is true? Now, facts cannot start with, I think, I feel, I know, I believe. They can't start with that. Think about facts. And what that always does is it helps you as a woman in that situation when you're already feeling so confused and overwhelmed and just so muggy and so like, like there's so there's a lack of clarity in that situation because there's so much going on. What that's going to allow you to do is just stop, take a step back, and look at it from a very rational, logical, and factual point of view. Now, when you're looking at things in a logical and factual way, you start to get clarity. When you start to get clarity, you start to get confidence. When you start to get confidence, you start to get a bit more control over that situation then. So you will not be able to get sucked back into those cycles again and again and again then. So if you do find yourself in those situations, focus on the actions and the behaviors of the person, but also regardless of what they're saying to you, they might say to you, well, nobody else is going to have you and this and that, and that's not what I meant, and that's not what I did, and that's not where my intentions were, and that's not how it came across. And obviously, they're going to say things like that to throw you off course. However, if you take a step back without engaging in that dialogue, just think, where is the evidence and the facts to prove that this statement that he or she has just said is true? And that is where you're going to start to get clarity now. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. So you did mention a couple of times through the episode the, the word gaslighting. For the benefit of the audience, what do you actually mean by gaslighting? Because some people might not understand that term or even know what that means. Okay, so gaslighting is where your partner just blatantly just ignores what you've said and makes it sound as though you're lying or you've not heard it or it's not true to the point where they will literally deny any evidence. Like even if you had a recording of it, they'd be like, no, that wasn't me. So basically <laughs> this, this, is, this is what gaslighting is, right? So it's confusing you, throwing you off course by either pretending that that behavior or that conversation didn't take place or manipulating the situation and saying, that's not what I meant, you misinterpreted it, right? Or point blank saying, I don't know what you're talking about. 
as simple as that. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that because I know that some people in the audience might not understand that term or have heard it before or even know what it means. So I just wanted to make sure we got that in as part of the conversation so that uh, people were clear exactly what that actually means. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, actually. And whilst we're on like definitions, I think the other thing that's important to define is emotional abuse. So emotional abuse is where somebody manipulates your behavior by making you feel guilty or making you feel bad or making you feel insecure and they'll manipulate your behavior in a way to benefit themselves so that's really important to remember because emotional abuse is so hard to detect because the other person will make it look like it's your idea it's what you wanted it's what you will be happy to do so if you feel that it's that is not actually what you want and you've maybe been coerced or manipulated into it that will probably be a sign of emotional abuse as well and you'll know it's emotional abuse because you'll start to feel unsettled and irritable and frustrated and unheard or anxious or annoyed in that situation excellent thank you for clarifying that one as well brilliant i love that explanation so cameline what yes. else would you like to leave as words of wisdom before we wrap up the episode oh my goodness right oh there's so much to say so what I will say is I probably just, I feel like I've just said the same things again and again, and I don't want to keep repeating myself, but these are really important things. I think what I'll say to anybody out there that finds themselves in that situation is that, first of all, the problem is not you. There's so many women that get into this whole thing about it's me, I'm not good enough, like maybe it's my fault, maybe I have to fix it. It is not your job to fix that situation. You can't fix somebody else and it's not your responsibility. If you find yourself in that situation, you have to accept that this is not anything you're doing. It's not your fault and acknowledge how you're feeling. Okay, that's the first thing. If you feel physically safe, try and resolve. If you want to resolve and you feel physically safe and you want to resolve it, speak, communicate to your partner, what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy, and then come to an agreement. But if that's not happening and you're being disrespected, undervalued, undermined, or you're just not being treated well, then you now need to start thinking logically and rationally about this situation. What is your next steps. Speak to somebody that you trust and speak to them about what is going on because sometimes speaking about it out loud makes it real. And when it makes it real, it forces you to take action or it gives you the confidence to take action as well. So don't just try and sort it out all by yourself in your own head because that's going to get really, really overwhelming. And the other thing I hear all the time, right? And this is really important as well. One of the things that women say, that makes them stay in a relationship is because it's been drummed in their head for so long by their partner that nobody else is going to stay with you because you're not good enough, you're not good looking enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not intelligent enough, you're not financially successful enough. The irony is that most of these men are probably not doing as well as their actual partners, right, in these situations. So if you are that awful, then why are they with you? It's really important for you to think about that, right? Think about, and this is what I mean about looking at the facts and evidence. If you're such an awful person, right? And if you're so um, difficult to live with and you are not good enough, then why are they with you, right? So do you see where that in itself, they're, what they're saying is not aligned with what they're doing, right? Obviously you are good enough and you are bringing things to that relationship that are invaluable, which is why that person is there. So that statement that usually keeps women in that, 
relationship is said for that exact reason. It's to keep you in a place of fear and insecurity and keep you stuck in a situation that you do not want to be in. So that is not true. It's not real. It's not rational and it's not logical. So if that is one of the things that keeps you there, you need to flip that around on its head and start looking at if you were so awful, then what is this person gaining from it? Love it. Excellent words to wrap up the episode. And for the benefit of the audience that would love to connect with you, Camelin, what is your best contact information? Okay, so the best way to contact me or to connect with me would be on Instagram. And the Instagram handle is Camelin Carr, therapist. Excellent. Thank you so much, Camelin. I've really enjoyed this conversation and um, it's been very, very insightful in terms of what's been shared. I think there's been some wonderful words of, and insights there that our audience are going to be able to take away and implement straight away. So thank you so much and for being a great and open-minded guest. No problems. Thank you so much for having me here and giving me this opportunity as well. So to wrap up things and listeners, it just leads me to say... True love starts with opening our hearts. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.